Hello everyone and welcome back to Bench Busted FPL. My name is Jack, I'm your host for the week and as always I am joined by Nick. Nick, how are you doing this week? Jack, I'm doing very well and I'm very excited for our wildcard bonanza with some special secret sauce. Yeah, I mean we mentioned it last week and we talked about it a bit um, over the international break but you have of course activated your second wildcard, getting your team ready for the back end of the Premier League season. I am yet to activate mine. I'm sort of holding off on it. I'm maybe waiting to activate it for next week. I, I feel like my team's in a relatively good position to, to tackle the upcoming Game Week 30 fixtures. Just before we do get into our usual topics of discussion, you know, looking at fixtures um, and discussing, I guess, transfers and players and whatever, I just want to bring a couple of bits of news to everyone's attention and I think that this is probably one of the biggest bits of news that has broken over the international break and that is of course Sergio Aguero has announced that he is leaving Manchester City at the end of the season I guess Manchester City also said you know they were parting ways so I don't really know who had the last say there but Aguero what a player he has been in the Premier League over the last what was it 10 seasons now or so and and he's just been a revolution, really, uh, not just for Manchester City, but for the Premier League as well. Absolutely. I think his goal will go down in history as, as the, one of the greatest Premier League moments. And um, from a fantasy football perspective, boy, the guy just chucked out points per game, didn't he? Oh, he loved to give some points per game. It was just a shame that he never had a lot of games in a row, or especially towards the later years. Got a lot of injuries and, and couldn't always play. Yeah, I, I think that that's certainly one of the things that has you know, dampened his aspects of cementing himself back into that uh, Manchester City starting lineup over the last couple of seasons is just being injury prone. But you do know what you get with Aguero. You know, he will be scoring in goals for fun, really, get, picking up a, a bunch of assists as well. Um, so to be honest, I think it's it's going to be a, a, a tough one to take um, for Manchester City. They sort of brought in Gabriel Jesus to try and not replace him, but, you know, have someone who can learn from him. Um, it's not worked out so far. City haven't really been playing with an out-and-out striker, though, uh, so far this season. So it'll be interesting to see what direction they decide to take um, and, and you know, just who they're going to be bringing in as a replacement for him because I think, really, Aguero, you know, he's the highest scorer for, for Manchester City. 181 goals in 271 appearances. And, you know, his goals per game, as you say, 0.67. So, He's scoring once every two games that he's playing, um, slightly higher than that, and and it's a uh, yeah, it's going to be a shame to see him leave the Premier League, but you know he's going to move on, um, and I think that City, with the amount of money that they have at that club and the amount of attraction that there is at that club to be playing for a top tier Premier League team, a top tier European team as well, you know they, whoever they bring in as a replacement is is hopefully going to fit right into that Manchester City mould and, and hopefully Pep Guardiola is going to be able to find himself another goal-scoring machine. Yeah, well, easier said than done, but I, I think if they do, because I obviously think that Gabriel Jesus is a bit of a donkey, if they do <laughs> find someone who can just secure that first-team spot, boy, will they pop off. And and Haaland is, is someone that's mentioned Lukaku might be tempted away because Inter Milan have a lot of financial troubles. Uh, Harry Kane is someone that could potentially be on the cards. There's a lot of big, big names being linked with them. Um, and boy, gosh, whoever they get will be an FPL asset, I think, for, for years to come. You missed out one of the biggest names that has been thrown about over the last week as well is Danny Ings. <laughs> there, there were some crazy reports coming out of, of Danny Ings potentially being linked with 
the uh, the sort of trying to step into to fill the boots of Sergio Aguero. I'd, obviously, I think that Danny Ings as well sort of does have a bit of a injury concerns behind him. But it will be interesting uh, to see which direction they want they want to go with it. And you know the way that City have been playing so far this season, who's to say that they even need to sign a striker? Who's to say that they can't just sign some more? attacking midfielders who can play as a false number nine or, or, you know, sort of rotate in that front three as they have been doing quite a bit this season. Um, The other bit of news that I just wanted to mention as well is that we've had a confirmation of a double game week and that has been confirmed now, the double game week in game week 32 for Spurs. So it is only one team who is going to be doubling in game week 32. Uh, But Spurs are going to be playing against Everton and Southampton in game week 32 they will obviously still go on to blank in game week 33 when they are involved in the Carabao Cup final against Manchester City but Spurs were going to be one of the teams that I think a lot of FPL managers are going to be holding on to their assets now um, and, and just waiting to see who is going to be the best option to to have on the team I think that Kane is obviously the standout and I think that I'll be surprised if 100% of FPL of active FPL teams didn't own Kane for that double. But yeah, it's it's a it's another double in a season that has already had quite a few double game weeks, but this time a much much smaller one. Um, so it's a lot easier to navigate. A lot easier to navigate, but the nature of Spurs having the double and then an immediate blank afterwards means that it can still be quite tricky to get around. It can be still. Uh, a bit of an organisational nightmare if you're if you're trying to plan ahead for it, I think. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. I mean, I've got a couple of Spurs players. I don't know what... I, I knew the Spurs players that you had. I don't know if you've held on to them or whatever um, at the moment. But yeah, I, I think that certainly having a couple of the Spurs players in for that game week is, is definitely a thing that a lot of FPL managers are going to be looking at doing. So yeah, without further ado, I just want to... You know, jump straight into it, I guess, with the wild cards. Um, I've seen a lot of people activating their wild cards and sort of, you know, during the international break, taking time to reflect on where they are with their teams. And, and, you know, it's always good to have a bit of a break away from football. But I think that, you know, we both agree that we are very much looking forward to Premier League football coming back um, this weekend. And, you know, it's it's been nice. We've had some nice weather in the UK as well, and it's been a, a nice time to relax. But the Easter weekend, we've got all of the fixtures coming up um, that we will run through in just a moment. But uh, yeah, Nick, your wild cards. Last week, last week I mentioned that I was going to try and guess some of the players, or certainly the the starting eleven. Yes, of your team. H- how has the wild card? gone for you how has sort of your your planning gone has it been straightforward or have you had to make some tricky decisions yeah so actually lots of tricky decisions I think the biggest one is that I've been quite down the last sort of six (laughs) (laughs) for for the last nearly two months now I've been a little bit down about my chances and although I don't think I'm going to win anything I'm here to take a little bit of a punt or two you know I'm here to I'm here to sort of make some some miniature sized some slightly bigger than miniature sized moves for the last nine game weeks effectively so some of the decisions have been tough in order to sort of facilitate that and actually and we'll get to this when it comes to my forward line there is one decision still that I haven't yet made and I'm struggling with which I'd love to 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 I say get your input on I'd love to pick the player I'd love to get rid of the player that you think I have 
that's what I want to do. I just, <laughs> I just want to hear who you thought I had and then just pick the opposite one because that's the sort of fair play that I'm about and sportsmanship. So um, I guess let's start at the back line, right? I'm going to tell you who I've picked for the back line. I'll do goalkeepers and then we'll just work our way up the pitch, I think. So for goalkeepers, I immediately, step one, get rid of my fodder, bring in Forster. Good <laughs> gosh, just bring in Forster because he could start and... If I do want to build towards a bench boost, he's the keeper that you definitely want, right? For, for fodder prices, whatever, right? Very easy. Yeah, exactly. That was basically the first one that I confirmed in my mind that, that you were going to go from Jed Steer to Fraser Forster. Because, I mean, like you say, if you've got a, a backup 4.0 goalkeeper who also sometimes will play, what more could you ask for, really? Exactly, right? It just makes perfect sense. And he's started their last three Premier League games. And McCarthy looks bad. So I'm happy with that easy decision and and very happy to hear that you predicted it the goalkeeper though there are three big contenders maybe four um that i've considered where i obviously have have who knows emmy martinez between the sticks who started at 4.5 has risen to 5.4 now the other options are Ariola if you're looking for a budget option from fulham johnston if you're looking for a budget option from west brom who have slightly worse fixtures or Mendy from Chelsea, who have one of the best defensive records in the league and are keeping a lot of clean sheets at the moment. So, um, well, I, I presu- who do you think I? What's your guess here, Jack? Have you have you got this one right? Well, I I think you went straight down the middle with with um, Mendy, mate. I mean, I know that you're a Chelsea fan, and like you say, you know Chelsea. I think have only what conceded two goals in the last twenty one hours or something ridiculous of football that that they've played. So. I think you'd be silly not to go with Mendy, to be honest. Um, yeah, bang on. I've gone Mendy at 5.2. I'm trading in my Martinez to, to uh, a bit of a loss to, to, to upgrade effectively. But I, I think it's going to be worth it when you compare their fixtures. Easy decision. Now we're moving on to the big boys, Jack. We're moving on to defenders. Um, I mean, do you want to have a guess at who I've got? I think you've held on to Luke Shaw because why wouldn't you? I think you've also held on to Cancelo again because the amount of times that you've mentioned Cancelo and how he loves to break his ceiling, um, I'd be surprised if you did get rid of Cancelo, although, of course, there is that rotation risk with him. I was trying to think as to whether or not you would hold on to Trent. I know that he's sort of been a bit of the a bit of a bane of your FPL existence so far this season you know after promising so much last season and and the and the, the season before that as well and returning offensively I think that you've maybe ditched Trent um, and maybe dropped Trent Alexander-Arnold down for Reese James um, I know that you love Reese James and of course you love a fullback as well so I think that those are going to probably be your three starting defenders um, in terms of your backups I was I was a bit torn because you've got Kilman and Dunn who don't really play at all. Um, I mean, Kilman does feature sometimes, uh, depending on how Nuno is feeling. But um, I mean, I said before we started recording that I thought that you would hold on to Kilman just purely based on the fact that he's 4.0 and may play some games. I think you have upgraded Dunn. And I think that you've gone from Dunn to Cresswell. Oh, I can tell you that you've got two out of five right there. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is quite exciting, isn't it? So you're absolutely right. I've kept Shaw because um, I don't know what price he actually is because I got him so long ago. I, I, oh, he's 5.2. 
but he I got him at 4.8. So keeping Shaw is almost a no-brainer for me based on um, not just not just how he looks actually and his price, but the fact that, that Man United have been putting up better defensive numbers and that Shaw is actually getting, he's registering quite high um, attempted crosses in games and quite high chance creation stats. So really, I just think that the world is, is his oyster right now and not owning him is a bit of a mistake. Um, and I've obviously kept Cancelo as well for very similar reasons. The guy's a creative menace. And my philosophy on the wild card has been to get such a strong bench that if he does get rotated, it's unlikely he'll come on. He, he doesn't typically come on. Well, he, he does, but it's about 50-50 whether he comes on in games where he doesn't start. Yeah. And I'm going to have a stronger bench in order to compensate for that. You're then wrong with with the other three, which I'm very excited about. Reese James, Creswell and Kilman. Have you held on to Trent then? I have not held on to Trent either. Which is that? Oh, it just misses Jack. I love it. Um, so I've considered lots of players. Oh, that, that wasn't that wasn't me guessing. That wasn't me assuming that you'd hold on to him. That was me just asking a question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no. That, <laughs> I, it's true. That was just a question. I haven't. I haven't. I think that Liverpool's ability to defend at the moment is a bit poor, and I think they will focus on the Champions League more than they will in the league, which they have done all season anyway. Really. When I owned Trent, I'd look at him getting an assist and a clean sheet in the Champions League with such envy, with such green in my eye. Oh, terrible stuff. But no, I haven't. So I considered them. I considered Diaz and Stones and the other Man City options and, and Wamba Saka as well, if I wanted to sort of double up on that Man United defence. Didn't go for them either. Considered Zuma and Rudiger. Didn't go for them either. I've gone for, uh, in the end, I've gone for, for Kieran Tierney as my starting defender, my, my, my third starting defender. Because... Arsenal have some really good fixtures coming up. He's very key for that team. And when he's fit and when he's going, I think he's just a really good attacking option as well. Um, He hasn't necessarily put up the stats this season because he's been injured for huge amounts of time. But when he plays, he's very good. And he also just passes the eye test. And as we sort of alluded to or spoke about last uh, last season, last week, Arsenal have a lot of really good fixtures coming up. I know that they play Liverpool immediately but but after that they've got Sheffield United Fulham um Everton Newcastle these are these are fixtures that are, are are very winnable very easy to get clean sheets in or comparatively and he's only 5.2 is 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 Kieran Tierney he was 5.5 when I started the season with him um so I have not yeah so perfect option um big fan so that's my big three starting defenders and then for the two bench fodder I've gone for Christensen and Veltman um, okay, which might be a surprise. Is that a surprise to you? Well, I think Veltman is a surprise. I'm not surprised by picking a, a, a Chelsea defender at all. I think you know, with the Chelsea defense, I was surprised that you wouldn't go with Reese James after you've talked about him quite a bit. I know again with the way that Tuchel implements the sort of wing backs in that team at the moment, there is that rotation risk, um, and you know he, he can move Aspilicueta over to the right hand side. He's played Hudson Odoi in that position as well. I, I just thought that. You know, Reese James. I guess, yeah. I, I, I guess I should have known better than to predict you picking someone who's <laughs> not going to be nailed on to start. Um, but yeah, no. I think the uh, development choice is, is definitely one. I think, uh, yeah, he he's getting a lot of game time. He's uh, looking like he is a well well rounded defender, and you know, he he does like to get forward on occasion as well. So yeah, no, fair play. Yeah, and, and at four point four, he's only point two above like Lascelles and that sort of bracket where. There are playable. There are defenders that play every game, um, but I think he's worth it for point two. And similarly, when I got Christensen, he was point one more than Rudiger. 
and I thought that he was a little bit more secure in his role uh, as a starting as a starting central defender for Chelsea. Although it's still going to be that he gets rotated at times. I think it'll be less, and he also just gets better bonus points. So win win, right? Um, and that, and that's the that's the defense. So what are you on so far? You're on four out of seven, which is pretty good, um, considering that the fodder are where where you've made the mistakes so far. So moving on to the midfield, I think this is almost entirely guessable. I'm I'm keen to hear what you what you think I've gone for first. If if you want to do that, you've you've kept Salah and Gundogan. Is it, oh, is that is that a question or is that a guess, Jack? Well, well, that's me with my bit of paper in front of me with ticks against both of those names. That's that's me saying that you have kept Salah and Gundogan. Okay, interesting. Um, any any punts with other three positions in the midfield? Well, I would like to say that you have probably bought in Jota. I would like to say that you've probably also bought in Bruno Fernandez because I mean the amount of times that we bring up Bruno Fernandez on this podcast and the amount of times that we are both sat questioning why on earth we don't have him. I think that that's sort of uh, something that we want to try and move away from. And instead of being annoyed by Bruno Fernandes returning every other week, it's something that I think that you would like to embrace. So I, I think that you have gone with Bruno Fernandes. The fifth midfielder spot, if you are, of course, playing a 3-5-2, which I believe that you will be playing a 3-5-2, the, the, the fifth midfielder spot is a bit of a tricky one. Because on, on my sheet of paper, it says that you would have Hugmin Son there. Now, I know earlier in the week that you did say that Son wasn't going to be on your wildcard team. The news announced uh, only a couple of days ago that there was going to be the Spurs double game week fixture. So I don't know if that has swayed your mind in terms of bringing him back into your team. But yeah, I, I, can, I, I think I've got those four players right i'm just maybe a bit stuck on the fifth ah well i can tell you jack that salah is staying in my team bruno fernandez is certainly coming straight back into the team <laughs> uh, jota i got him in almost immediately as soon as i hit in fact he might have been the first transfer i made ahead of forster um, and he's since scored three goals in the international break so not only does he look good he's got he's on form he's ready to pop off um mane at 6.6 .6 million right yeah I haven't got any Man City def uh, midfielders in my team. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've decided to move away from Gundogan because I'm very worried about rotation, as, as I said there, in all four cups. And I've got Rafina, who has one good fixture. I was going to say, I so so I was looking at it and, and I was trying to, because I know you said last week that you, you know, had some inside sources or whatever, you know, making up all of this sort of stuff. But I was looking at it and I was like, Nick has Nick has been a big fan of Rafinha and, and he hasn't had Rafinha in his team. He's probably going to pick Rafinha. But then again, why would you when they play Sheffield and then they've got an extremely terrible run of fixtures? I mean, Rafinha has looked fantastic and he looks certainly like the most creative player in that Leeds side at the moment. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by that one, if, if, I, if I must say so. Um, to be honest, yeah, City, Liverpool and United in the, in the next three games after the Sheffield one this weekend is, uh, yeah, fair, fair play. Well the, well, the truth is, Jack, um, the plan is to immediately move Rafina on. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. So I get him in for the Sheffield United game and then almost, almost a straight swap money-wise to Saka, okay. who isn't the secret source yet. We, we haven't touched on the secret source yet, but uh, Saka, guess who he plays? Sheffield United. I'm just here for, she for straight Sheffield United games. That's all I want. I just want my team 
to be, be against Sheffield United as often as possible. And um, the final spot, the, the the mystery spot, the secret source is, of course, a Chelsea midfielder. Yeah. I think that goes without saying. And actually, when I was speaking about it last week, when I was calling it secret source, it was secret source because you got it wrong. It was ZH. I was very into ZH. And I was thinking about returning to the man who who basically proved that I'm a genius when it comes to midfield picks. <laughs> I'm being honest uh, and humble. When he was in your team for yeah. like two weeks. What a great two weeks. I was so ahead of that. <laughs> but but I've, I've been thinking about it and I've been thinking about the secret sauce and, and the recipe. I've been thinking about my recipes and, and it's not Mount and I think it's Havertz. And I say that because at the moment he's in my team, but you've got to sort of move hell or high water to get him in um, because he's quite an expensive boy still at 8.2 which is also why like Trent isn't even a consideration for me. Yeah. And um, I've done that. I've moved Hell or High Water to get in Havertz. He's got West Brom, Crystal Palace, Brighton, uh, West Ham and Fulham. It's just, the fixture run for Chelsea is absurd. Um, he's playing most games, although he's not playing all of them, which is a bit of a risk, especially for that money. And he's playing in a false nine role or with Tuchel, he didn't originally start games under 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 Tuchel. He's then started to be integrated more into the team, and now he starts a lot. He's played in this false nine position. He's he supported the striker. He's got a lot of attacking, or not a lot. He's got attacking returns doing it, and he looks impressive and posts some good stats. I think he's about to pop off, and it's not so secret this anymore because I've seen fantasy Premier League on Twitter tweeting it. I've seen people posting about it on Reddit quite annoyed jack because i thought it was a genius little pick <laughs> see i i had mason mount written down as as the player that you would pick from from chelsea if you were going to go with a midfield asset but yeah fair enough i, I think that may, maybe mason mount was maybe a bit too normal i mean you mentioned it last week you know if you are going to be trying to increase your rank and get more points than than other fpl managers at the moment then you do have to go for some of these uh i would say out of the box picks let's let's say you know outside of the box um and i think that Havertz certainly fits that bill but again i'm a bit surprised by it to be honest because i think you know we talked about it when i was talking about you not selecting reese james he, he does get rotated uh chelsea is still in the champions league as well still in the fa cup of course as well so they're in they're in free competitions i mean mm, Maybe the Premier League is a bit too far away for them to actually win it. But, you know, they are still in a fight for the top four as well. So I, I don't know. I don't know how many games Havertz will play for them in the Premier League between now and the end of the season, to be honest. Yeah, and I think you misspoke that because Chelsea are going to win the Champions League. <laughs> so he might be he might be heavily involved in that campaign. Um, and he did he did he played 50 minutes for Germany last night uh, on, on, on Wednesday or 52 and a bit who then subsequently lost, actually, to, to... Was it North Macedonia or someone? Quite fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have a game... I think the game is on Saturday, this weekend. Um, and then Porto is midweek. So there's a little bit of blocking of, of... There's a lot of fixtures piling up there. And he hasn't had much of a rest. But I still back him. And I, I think I'm still going to back him. I, I'm pretty confident that um, Havertz is the guy. There's a real chance that I captain him that I just go absolutely all out here and just try and start off with a real pop but um I don't I don't think I'm that brave. I don't think I'm that brave <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like that's that's the secret sauce I'm saying Kai Havertz 
watch this space. This is more of an eye test than a sort of stats-based thing, but his positional change, the way he's looking, the fact that it's West Brom at home straight away, it sort of all speaks it all speaks of, of move quickly, get things done, uh, get big points, which is how Ziyech and Jota went for me the first time around. So, you know, and then if it all goes wrong, I can always just downgrade him to, to Gundawan and invest the money elsewhere, you know, get Trent Alexander-Arnold back when I go crawling after he gets 12 points every week, something mad like that. So, so that's my midfield. And then the forward line, I'm going to, I haven't sort of decided. So I, I, I'll be interested to hear what you think. But at the moment, I will tell you that I'm sat here with minus 0.8 million remaining and I need to downgrade one of these strikers. <laughs> I think for a fact you've kept Kane because you've only got two big hitting midfielders and we talk about having, you know, three premium assets in your team and, and that would fulfill your third premium asset. I I don't know if you've kept Bamford. I, I, I think you would have done because... You want to target Sheffield United and Leeds play Sheffield United this weekend. So if you're bringing in Rafinha for just one week and then transferring him out, why would you not do the same thing with Bamford and just keep him in your team and then maybe take a minus four to avoid having players in your team who are coming up to a a difficult run of fixtures? But I don't know, the way that you're saying that, saying that you've got minus 0.8 to try and find in your budget, it's difficult. You've definitely upgraded Brewster. I don't know who to, though. I mean, I've I've got written down Ianacho, but I don't know if you'd be bold enough to to transfer in Ianacho. Well, I think you've actually just nailed it entirely, which is dead good. <laughs> so, so currently the team is is Bamford, Kane, and Antonio. Um, okay, because I think he's a bit of an assist machine. Actually, he's he's been putting up some not necessarily good chances for himself, but uh, very high expected assists for for other for, for in the team. Right, so. That's the sort of thing you want. Very, do you know what? Very honest work. That's what it is. It's, it's very reminiscent of, of Raul Jimenez um, last year and, and the year before, weirdly. The decision I have to make exactly is whether it's Antonio or Bamford. Um, and the one that I don't get will become Iannaccio. And I'm punting. I'm going to punt on Iannaccio. I think my bench will probably consist of Veltman, Christensen or Tierney, depending on sort of the fixture, um, because... I'm not playing Tierney against Liverpool when Christensen plays West Brom. That would be insane. Um, and then and then one of the strikers, because I will try and play a, a 3-5-2. So, so Antonio Bamford or, or Iannaccio will probably end up benched most weeks. But uh, yeah, I just can't work out which one I want to do, Jack. And that's as simple as it is. I, I mean, I'm sat here looking at Bamford's one good fixture against Sheffield United. <laughs> Antonio's middling fixtures against the run is Wolves, Leicester, Newcastle, Chelsea, Burnley. Mm, iffy, right? And I'm thinking I could always get Iannaccio in for, for Antonio, right? Um, I make my Rafina to Saka transfer at the end of the week. I play Iannaccio and Kane. Leicester play West Ham, but that's probably okay. And Iannaccio probably plays. And I, and I go from there and maybe Bamford becomes Antonio in the future after that. And and I run with Iannaccio on the bench. But but that's where I'm at. And that's the decision I've made. And, and I think, well, it's not made. That's the big decision I can't make. Um, who do I pick? Who would you pick, Jack, between Bamford and, and Antonio here? Well, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. I mean, I'm looking at my team at the moment and I have that exact front three. I've got Bamford, Kane and Antonio. I've not made any transfers yet this week. Um, we'll talk about 
transfers and stuff in a moment and, and look forward to some of the game week 30 fixtures, of course. But that is my front attacking three. And my plan for this week is, is to start all three of them. Um, I do need to, again, make a transfer, but my transfer is going to be a bit different this week. It's just going to probably be a one-week punt on a player in, in one of the midfield positions just to uh, sort of keep my fingers and toes crossed and hope that they do something. But out of those three, or, or out of Iheanacho, Bamford and Antonio, I think Iheanacho, again, is Iheanacho might, might end up being like Dominic Calvert-Lewin from the start of the season where a few managers sort of believed in Dominic Calvert-Lewin doing the business. Um, he started scoring a few goals. Then, you know, a lot of managers transferred in DCL and, and the goals just kept coming for him, certainly inside the first sort of 12 game weeks um, of the season. And maybe Ian Acho might be that player. Maybe he's sort of hitting a, a fine run of form at the moment. Of course, coming off of the back of scoring a hat-trick against Sheffield is is always a bonus for him. But yeah, it's just whether or not Nacho now that James Madison is supposedly back and fit and, and back in the picture to, to be starting for Leicester this weekend. I don't know how many games Nacho is going to play. I don't know how heavily rotated he's going to be. Uh, Leicester being knocked out of the Europa League is, is a bonus in terms of, you know, they, they have to turn all of their attentions now pretty much to, to the Premier League and, and trying to finish inside the top four. And I think Ayanacho and, and his goals are certainly going to help them cement themselves as a top four team. And yeah, I, I, I think Vardy is probably more prone to being rotated out of that squad, I would say, just purely based on the fact that he is maybe a bit underperforming where we think that he should be in terms of, you know, the goals that he is known to score, certainly over the last uh, couple of seasons. I don't know. I, I think that, there's absolutely no reason why Brendan Rodgers won't continue to play with with two strikers up front and, and have James Madison sitting a bit deeper in behind them. Good. Well, I'm, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're backing my my Ayanacho my Ayanacho punt. <laughs> the best Nigerian football striker in the Premier League since Yakubu. That's uh, that's going on a t-shirt, I think. And and that's it. That's the wildcard team. And, and what did you do there? You did really well. You got like over seven or eight, nine players, right? Really predictable I am <laughs> I was gonna say I don't want to say anything about how predictable you are but you're about you know 70% predictable mate even my secret source <laughs> <laughs> I'm too predictable this is why we have the same teams I'd like so when you do so so your plan obviously is to wildcard next next week yes and and very excited to hear your plans and and, and your transfer around that especially your potential midfielder punt which which I can't wait. Is it going to be Kai Havertz? Is it going to be the Chelsea secret source? But um, I think that I can probably quite accurately predict what your wildcard team is going to look like as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, you can go ahead and do that. And, you know, I will bring out all of the stops to completely bamboozle you. Oh, yes. Bamboozle me. <laughs> Sack us straight in. Aubameyang. Nah, maybe not. Maybe, nah. maybe, maybe not too bamboozled, mate. <laughs> but anyway I, I guess the real bamboozle is not picking up Bamiang and that, that's how you get me yeah <laughs> I don't know mate we'll see I haven't to be honest I haven't really given a lot of thought to the wild card yet what I have been focusing on is this weekend's round of fixtures and the return of Premier League football we've all had an international break as I said earlier we've all been able to sort of take a step away from FPL but now we're getting back straight back into it uh, we'll go through a couple of the quote-unquote big fixtures 
of the, the the weekend of the Easter weekend, and you know it's going to be a weekend where I think a lot of us as as football fans are just going to sit down, relax, and watch some football. Hopefully, the sun will stay out shining, although the weather forecast says otherwise. But start off the weekend with the aforementioned Chelsea game against West Brom. Now, mate, yeah, I I can't see anything other than Chelsea picking up all three points here. I think that. Certainly over the last couple of games, West Brom have looked a bit more reassured at the back. This, of course, was the game towards the start of the season where Chelsea went behind three goals very early on and they fought back to win, uh, well, a a fairly respectable... To win 3-3. I was going to say to win one point um, from that game. But, you know, Chelsea should have done better in that one. Obviously, they've had a change of manager uh, since then and they've looked a lot more reassured defensively. I think offensively is where Chelsea struggle. They've not really been scoring a lot of goals from the chances that they've been creating. I think that certainly if I'm going to target this fixture, which it sounds like you have, then, you know, the the Chelsea double up at the back, maybe even the Chelsea triple up defensively. I don't, I don't see why you can't start to maybe think about Chelsea in the same vein as... Manchester City when they were on their phenomenal run of constantly winning games and constantly picking up clean sheet points. I don't see why Chelsea can't be put into that category, especially when you consider their their fixture run that you mentioned earlier. You know, they they have one of the most favourable fixture runs over the next sort of four or five weeks. I mean, they got West Brom at home, Palace away, Brighton at home, West Ham away, Fulham at home. And I think that the West Ham game will potentially be a bit of a banana skin for them. Um, I think, again, that'll be really a, a, a litmus test, as it were, in terms of how well that Chelsea defence can stand up to a West Ham team that just look like they want to score goals for fun against any team in the league at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think that West Brom have absolutely no chance of getting anything out of this game. Wow. A damning, a damning thing to say. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say, actually, that a lot of Chelsea fans are punting on Alonso to start. And uh, back in the reverse fixture, this was actually Alonso's last ever game for Chelsea under under Lampard. He played 45 minutes, got hooked at half time, then he threw a fit and like left or something, uh, and that was it. Lampard said, "You're, you're done. You're literally done." Uh, and that's sort of where uh, the the dressing room fallout began. Yeah. So it'd be nice to see how Alonso t- whether Alonso t- do you think Alonso blames West Brom? He could be an absolutely explosive one-week punt, I think, Alonso, which uh, some people are taking. Uh, it's been said. It's been said that some people are going to go for Alonso here, and uh, I wouldn't blame them. It could be really worthwhile. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll I, have to agree with that. I mean, Chilwell was involved quite heavily with the England squad in the international break as well. So Alonso will be a lot more rested than, than Chilwell, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how Tuchel wants to line up. And I think that, it will certainly give me a bit of an inkling as to what potential Chelsea defenders I might want to bring in on my wild card if I was that way inclined. I think we'll move on to talk about one of the hotly anticipated games. It's not the Leicester versus Man City game. It's not the Arsenal versus Liverpool game, which do kick off on the same day in the evening. But it is the Leeds versus Sheffield United game. And now this is one of these games I, I, I want to talk about it because, you know, we mention it week in, week out. Sheffield United are a team that we should be targeting in terms of bringing in players who are going to be playing against them. And Leeds are a team who just are so expansive in the way that they play. 
everything about this fixture for me screams Leeds goals and there being, you know, four, five, six goals for Leeds in this game. How do you see it playing out? Exactly the same way you do. And I'm pumped, Jack. I've got my Rafinha. I've got my Bamford. (laughs) I I don't think there's room for a third, but let's just go. Let's just go. Let's get some big results. I'm genuinely really excited about this game for some reason. Um, It's on Prime Video as well. (laughs) It's a bit easier to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sheffield United are just... They've had one goal over the last six games. They, They are not scoring. They haven't looked like scoring a lot of goals all season. Yes, earlier on in the season, they were a bit unlucky to be losing games by just a goal or two. But they haven't looked like they're offering, well, anything, to be honest. I mean, they look... They just look so defeated. You know, Chris Wilder left them. The new manager, Bounce, is not there. Um, and I don't think that anyone was ever predicting that it would be. And I think, as you say, Rafinha, you know, two goals, one assist in the last six. Five big chances created as well. Bamford as well, two goals, one assist. Dallas, who I obviously have. So I do have the Leeds triple up at the moment. And I'm fairly certain it's going to stay that way for this game against Sheffield and there's absolutely no reason why Dallas can't bomb forward and and get a couple of goals and keep a clean sheet um, get all three bonus and be returning massive massive points in this one so yeah I mean I'm hyped I I am so hyped for this one I I think an honourable mention and someone who would maybe be on our radars if they didn't have such a difficult fixture running after this one would be Ilan Melier the, uh, the goalkeeper for Leeds. I think he's made something like 30 saves over the last six game weeks and, and he's second behind Aaron Ramsdale for Sheffield United. So the goalkeepers are going to be the players really who, if the opposition do get shots off on target, they're going to be the ones that are going to be uh, picking up those save points and, and getting the bonus points there. But I think that Melier is maybe a bit of the... Uh, he's a bit overlooked, I would say. But as, just, as I mentioned, you know, with that, difficult fixture running. I can't see a lot of FPL managers running to try and bring him into their teams. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. He was someone I did consider on the wild card for about 20 seconds before I looked at the fixture run. <laughs> so, I, 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 yeah, I get it. And, and yeah, make saves when, when they when they are actually in, in games that are, are tougher to win. Although I just don't really trust Leeds' defensive record against even the bad teams, like bad teams in quotes, like Brighton, because... They're the sort of games where they do struggle. I actually am very excited for that game further down the line, where a knackered Leeds who have just played Man City, Liverpool, and Man United play Brighton and get Graham Potter. <laughs> I think it would be interesting just to see how Leeds cope with playing these top teams back to back to back. Um, and and Bielsa is fairly well set in his starting eleven, and and he's uh, not open to a lot of rotations, shall we say? But uh, yeah, you know, Bamford has had now. A couple of weeks off, wasn't called up into the England squad. He did pick up a bit of a a knock in the last game, uh, just before the international break as well. So, who knows? Hopefully, he comes back and he's feeling a bit more refreshed and he's fully fit, I believe, now as well. So, yeah, I'm hoping for a lot of goals in this one and I am bracing myself for a 1-0 Sheffield United win, of course. We'll move on to the big two fixtures on Saturday Afternoon, evening, Leicester versus Man City, Arsenal versus Liverpool. Absolutely no doubt that I'm assuming uh, you are going to be trying to keep on top of both of these games. I will be as well, making sure that I uh, do 
keep an eye on both of these fixtures. Which one are you looking forward to the most? I think I'm looking forward to the Arsenal game the most. Um, I say that because I just really want to see Jota and Salah explode. And I want to see Kieran Tierney look like he's about to get attacking returns in the next game for when I start him. <laughs> I think that's what I want. That's what I want. I want to see... I want to see big action from from Tierney where it just comes close, gives him the confidence he needs. Maybe Saka to look good, like 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 he wants to pop off in the next game as well. Really, I'm looking for my I'm looking for Arsenal assets to look like they're about to score in maybe the next game, and for Jota and Salah to just just to explode onto the scene and to make everyone regret getting rid of Salah because that's been a very popular move, and to start making bigger moves to get Jota in because that really should be what's happening. I mean, I'm I'm looking at some of the stats, you know, Salah has had one goal in the last six games. So I'm not surprised that a lot of FPL managers are getting rid of Mo Salah. I mean, I might even be that way inclined as well when it comes to the wild card. It's something that I have been thinking about quite a bit is, uh, you know, you look at the fixtures for Liverpool and again, they are, I think that they probably have the best run of fixtures up until the end of the season, to be honest. But, the form that they're in at the moment, yes, they are creating quite a few big chances, but uh, yeah, they've not uh, they've not been converting on a lot of them. They've only scored four goals in their last six games. Um, I, I think that Jota is certainly where it's at in terms of a Liverpool offensive asset. Um, I see no reason why you can't have Salah and and Jota and, and go with that double up for for Liverpool, but. I'm just a bit hesitant on that. On the flip side, Arsenal, they've had no clean sheets in their last six Premier League games. They've conceded nine goals, scored 13. So they are actually creating quite a few chances and and converting quite a few chances offensively. It's just, I don't know about that Arsenal side. You know, I mean, Aubameyang maybe coming back into a bit of form. Lacazette's firing on all cylinders seemingly as well. Arsenal very much still involved in the European competition. So whether or not they try to prioritise that to automatically qualify for the Champions League next season, because quite frankly, there doesn't seem to be any uh, any chance of them getting into a, a top four spot this season. And yeah, I, I, I just don't know about this game. Um, I think that Liverpool have got a very good record against Arsenal, certainly over the last sort of 10 or so games that they've played against Arsenal in the Premier League. But um yeah, I don't know. I can see certainly this one ending in a draw. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a score draw, maybe a, a, a 2-2. But yeah, I, I think it's a difficult one to predict because any other day of the week, you'd say that Liverpool would be winning this one quite comfortably. I think Arsenal find themselves in a, a bit of a good run of form, certainly after coming back from 3-0 down against West Ham um, before the international break. That will do them the world of good in terms of their confidence of, of coming from behind. And yeah, like I say, Liverpool just haven't looked great defensively. They're not converting the chances that they are getting. And who knows? Who knows with this one? I, I think a, a break will probably do them the world of good as well, because they all look really tired. I think uh, that was a big criticism, is that like, Mane looked tired. The defenders looked tired. Robertson looks a bit tired. And, and Trent's obviously been dropped from the, um, from the England team. So they'll all have a point to prove. And you're right, I, I have literally no idea what Arsenal are going to be like, because Arsenal... Do you remember at the very start of the season where we were talking about Arsenal being this incredible defensive unit where they conceded so little shots and, and kept a lot of clean sheets and how that just all fell away so quickly? And they've now failed to, to keep a clean sheet in, in about 4,000 Premier League games. I'm hoping to see 
a resurgence in Arsenal, if that makes sense. I'm hoping to see sort of more defensive stability. I mean, I'm to be honest, I'm I'm hoping for a repeat of the game earlier in the season where Liverpool won three one, and Andy Robertson got on the score sheet. Um, so did Jota as well, and 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 Mane. So no involvement uh, from Salah in terms of scoring goals in the earlier fixture in the season. But yeah, should be a should be a good game and. Hopefully, uh, give us a good round off to Saturday, Super Saturday, as it should be called, as opposed to Super Sunday. But just quickly go back to the Leicester versus Man City game. And now this one, again, is is going to be a very entertaining game. I think City look like they can, you know, they can score against anyone. They can keep clean sheets for fun. Um, Leicester will be boosted by the fact that it does sound as if James Madison will be available for selection for for this game, as I alluded to earlier. Do we think that Leicester can get a win here against City? I mean, they did manage to pick up a win earlier in the season in the reverse fixture, 5-2, with Jamie Vardy scoring a hat-trick. But um, certainly that was a, a City team who were going through a bit of a rut at the start of the season. And since then, you know, they've work their way back to the top of the Premier League and they just look pretty much unfallible at the moment. I, I would love to see Leicester pick up a result. And you know, I'm about to say it. I'd love to see Iannaccio look like he's going to pop off <laughs> in the next game. I, yeah, I, actually, just for the sake of the league, I'd love to see it. For the sake of my fantasy football team, I'd like to see Cancelo do a lot of really good business, but for no one else to do any business. Um, <laughs> for, for Gundogan and Kevin De Bruyne to not play, that would be... You know what? I'm asking for a lot. And I think a, f- a big game would be fun. A game with a lot of goals would be fun. I I really enjoyed the 5-2 earlier this season. So just more of that, really. Yeah, yeah. I won't, I won't ask for any fancy football. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask for anything because I'll never get it. If I ask for it, I won't get it anyway. <laughs> it's like a you're like a kid on Christmas writing your little letter to Santa Claus and then opening your presents and being disappointed. Yeah, this isn't a Gundogan red card. <laughs> <laughs> We'll move on then to look at some of Sunday's fixtures. I don't want to talk about all of these fixtures, but we've got Southampton starting off the day at 12 o'clock against Burnley. Newcastle will host Spurs at five parts two. Aston Villa host Fulham at half past four. And then the evening game is Man United at home to Brighton at half past seven. So just a couple of the fixtures that I do want to talk about. Newcastle versus Spurs. Hyungmin Son. I'm keeping my fingers, my toes, my everything crossed that he is going to be back and fit for this one. He was originally called up for the South Korea squad for the international break. Then with the injury, he was uh, dropped from the squad, as it were, um, and given time to to recover. And and I'm hoping that he has recovered well and, and fully recovered so that he can feature for this game against Newcastle. A Newcastle side who just love shipping goals for fun, to be honest. I mean... They don't fill me with a world of confidence in terms of their their defence. Um, and I think that Son, I mean, we saw it before the international break in the blank game. Week. Spurs looked OK, but they just looked like they were lacking that creativity, which is what Son brings to the table. And, and like I say, I'm just hoping that Son starts. I'll, I'll have Kane in my side as well. So looking for big things from... Son and Kane, to be honest. And and like I say, I don't see Newcastle getting anything from this game. Yeah, I mean, we've got the holiday wrong. We, we are doing Christmas lists on Easter. But <laughs> I respect your Christmas list, Jack. I respect that you're asking for Son, for Son miracles. 
And well, to be honest, I just want Son to play, mate. That's that's all that I want. Just want two points, please. I no, because if he, if he plays, he's not getting just two points. Ah, smart, smart. So you're not asking for him to return. You're expecting him to return. You're asking. <laughs> this is clever. This is like wishing for more wishes, and I like this. <laughs> Newcastle are appalling as well. Um, I I think it'd be very hard pushed to find a Newcastle fan that doesn't think they're poorly organised, that doesn't think they have no plan, and doesn't think they're going to ship goals to every single team they play until the rest of the, the end of the season. So yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe maybe Son will just pop off if he plays. It's it's just a shame that Santa will con- consistently disappoint you when you ask him for things in fantasy football. But apart from that, Jack, it's a great plan. Yeah. Um, well, I, I like to think it's a good plan. But like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm not... Certainly with the announcement of the double game week, it's made me sort of second guess whether or not I want to get rid of Son. Um, and, and certainly for this fixture, having had a couple of weeks off to hopefully recover from his injury. all the, I mean, it will all come crumbling down when he irritates that injury and, and picks up a small knock and then is substituted at halftime having done absolutely nothing in the game but like I say I'll keep everything crossed that he does play I'll keep everything crossed that he does complete the 90 minutes and of course contributes with a goal or an assist the Aston Villa game just briefly it has been announced now that uh, Jack Grealish is back in training you know there have been official pictures of him being back in training uh, maybe not at 100% fitness but he is back in training and he does have the potential to start against Fulham in that game. And then Man United versus Brighton, I think, again, one of the big games of the weekend. Man United coming up against a, let's say, a rather stubborn Brighton defence um, and, and a team looking on the up uh, just before the international break. Uh, certainly for those of us who transferred in the likes of Leandro Trossard into our uh, teams for the blank game week. But uh, yeah, Man United... It should be quite comfortable for them, shouldn't it? Well, you say that, but Brighton are actually just a really good outfit, aren't they? You, you remember the the reverse fixture that, that Man United won despite the game being over. Yes. Oh, it riles me up. As someone who's sort of like a resident of Brighton, uh, I enjoy the football club. I'm not a fan. <laughs> it riles me up. It riles me up to see that sort of thing happen. But now, as a new Bruno owner, <laughs> I can happily say that I'm here for it. I'm considering actually captaining Bruno in this game because, yeah, looks easy-ish on paper. Although Brighton do have very good defensive stats, they they don't necessarily have the talent to 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 execute their game plan as well as they'd like. And, and sometimes they'd let sort of freakish goals through. They also concede a lot of penalties. So I'm saying, I'm suggesting that Man United at home to Brighton might be a reasonable pick for, for Bruno captaincy based on the fact that Man United create a lot of chances. Brighton don't concede many chances, but but do concede, but but do concede still because they're sort of you know just not got the necessary quality to to perform at the level that Graham Potter would like them to perform at and the tactics that he implements, and and they concede a lot of penalties. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm going with that. I'm going with that sly little hint towards a Bruno captain in, in what could turn out to be a tricky fixture. But as you said, it, I think it's going to be reasonably easy. Yeah, I mean, it, it will hopefully be a, a very entertaining game. And I think that the brand and the style of football that Graham Potter has now got that Brighton team playing is is certainly uh, something to behold as well. And there's absolutely no reason why the Seagulls can't go to Old Trafford and and maybe pick up a draw in that one. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we do get goals. Hopefully 
Bruno Fernandes gets back in amongst the goals because who knows, maybe he is one of the players that I have been targeting in my Game Week 31 wildcard plans. Quickly run through the Monday fixtures then. Everton versus Crystal Palace and Wolves versus West Ham. Now, interesting fixtures, both of these. Everton looking like maybe they're back in the ascendancy. And again, they're one of the teams, one of the few teams who do have a relatively easy fixture run towards the end of the season. Palace will have Wilfred Zaha back. Wolves versus West Ham. Yeah, I mean, West Ham looking like they can, as I said earlier, they can score goals for fun against any team in the league. And Wolves don't really create a lot of chances. They haven't really been able to find someone who can fill the boots of Raul Jimenez. They've brought in William Jose. And, you know, we know that Pedro Neto has been playing a bit more of a central role in that attacking uh, lineup. But, um, yeah. Like I say, both very interesting games. I mean, I can see West Ham comfortably winning against the Wolves. Um, the Everton versus Palace game, however, Everton do look a bit shaky at the back. But like I say, I mean, Palace look poor without Zaha. And it's just whether or not Zaha coming back to full fitness now, whether or not he can carry that Palace team over the line. Yeah, I'll be interested to see whether he can carry them over the line. I think they're safe. And I actually think I'm very interested. I've been looking a lot recently at the the on the beach effect and whether it exists so <laughs> so for those who don't know this is this is the effect that that when teams are mid table comfortably they they're not looking like they're going to get any sort of meaningful progression up the table and they're not looking like they're in a rele- relegation battle they they sort of tend to or the theory or the thinking is that they they tend to not sort of pick up results and they sort of just drift but actually it tends to be that they're mid-table teams that they, they they just drift anyway that's just how they get results right they win a couple they lose a couple so on and there's no actual effect there so i'd be very interested to see how crystal palace look i think i think i've got some backup ideas in case havertz just you know just really goes in the wrong direction for me if if havertz pops onto the field and two foots the ref he's got to go right so i've been looking at the zahars of the world the the eze's the the Grealish is, in fact, and I will be very interested to see, A, how Crystal Palace look and B, whether Mitchell plays, because, again, there's some fodder there. There's And Ferguson as well. There's there's some foddery options that I've really wanted to consider over Veltman to save the extra dollar. But uh, I don't trust that they're actually even going to play, even Wolves with Kilman. So these are the fixtures I'm, I'm looking at in terms of who could be good budget options for the final running for the season and are these teams going to be on the beach or or will they still try and, and pick up results? And and honestly, will Roy Hodgson make it to the end of the season? That's another big question. I've seen a lot of fans, the, the, the Crystal Palace fan I know especially, who are saying, Hodgson out. They, they don't like him anymore. They're, Eddie Howe's available. Why would we want this old man from the 70s? Oh, makes me sick. The disrespect. I'm, I'm glad that you clarified that you meant Roy Hodgson being employed by Crystal Palace and not just the end of Roy Hodgson. Oh my word! <laughs> Will he physically make it to the end of the season? But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you uh, clarified that with your with your closing statement there. But yeah, no, that 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 should definitely be a uh, I wouldn't say entertaining, but it will be a very tricky fixture for for Everton to uh, to win there. Um, and, and like I say, I think Palace a lot rests on the shoulders of, of Wilfred Zaha and it's just whether or not he can he can step up to the plate yet again for them. So we're coming up to the end now. Um, we've gone through your wildcard team. I won't delve too much into my wildcard thoughts. I think we'll save that for, for next episode. 
But I'm just looking at my team now. I do have one free transfer. I've got 3.1 million in the bank. I'm looking at my team and, and the two potential players that I'm looking at getting rid of at the moment are Saka and Trossard. I have been looking at maybe, you know, I've got the double City defence with Diaz and Cancelo, but I think that they stay certainly for the short term. Uh, I'm not going to be looking at getting rid of them with, with my free transfer just before my wild card. I think the same says the same can be said really about Robertson. He will more or less be out of my team when it comes to the game week 31 wild card. Who am I going to bring in for him? I haven't got a clue, but it's something that I don't want to waste a transfer on now at the moment. And as I mentioned earlier, it's really one of those situations that I find myself in where I do have the opportunity to make a transfer, not take any points hits, and then completely revamp my team going into uh, the game week 31 round of fixtures. So I'm looking at Trossard and Saka. Saka against Liverpool is difficult. Um, there's no guarantee that he starts the games and, and he is currently flagged in FPL as, you know, he, he did pick up a bit of a knock. Uh, so Trossard as well against Man United is it's a tempting one, but then you look at their fixtures and they've got United, Everton and, and, and Chelsea in their next three. They are one of the team, or they, they are, of course, featuring in game week 33 as well. So maybe you, hope, maybe you look at bringing in Trossard, certainly for game week 33, when they do play against Sheffield. And maybe he does work his way back into my team. But right now, I'm looking at my team and I'm looking at the players that I could potentially bring in for a one-week punt. I was looking at maybe Grealish. Grealish could be a very interesting option. Um, I do have 8.8 .8 million to spend. Uh, obviously, I don't have to spend all of that money. James Madison, again, could be a very interesting one, but it's against Man City, so it's it's a bit difficult to uh, to try and predict that. You're you're avoiding you're avoiding some secret sourcage. I'm not. I've, I mean, I've I've looked at Mason Mount. Of course, I have, um, and chances are that he does come in to the team for for this one week, um, and maybe even beyond, because as we mentioned earlier. Chelsea have a fantastic run of fixtures and, and they look very, very good at the moment. Um, and to be honest, I think that Mason Mount is going to be that player that, you know, even in that England side, although he didn't really do a lot, he, he did look like that player who could control the troops going forward. So he does look like a very good option there. If I was able to have four Leeds players, then, you know, maybe Harrison would make his way into the side as well. But it's uh, unfortunate that I can't do that. I guess one of the obvious moves would be to just go from Trossard back down to Gundogan because that was my one of my transfers for the blank week before the international was just to go from Gundogan to, to Trossard and then potentially move back to him. But as you say, Gundogan has been... Heavily featured over the international break for Germany. I think he's played all three games for them over the last couple of weeks. So maybe he's going to be prone to some rotation there. But to be honest, I don't really know who else I'm looking at. It's one of those weird ones where I perhaps shouldn't really be looking at the fixtures and, and, and who they're playing against. More just going with my gut and, and who I think is going to be scoring the most points at the end of the day. I mean, Havertz is a very enticing option, as you say, and it's a very differential option, but I think I prefer Mason Mount over over Havertz at the moment. I would maybe... Oh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. I, I, I'm looking at the list now, you know, I would maybe even go with Sigurdsson if, if I did think that he was guaranteed a start, but he gets rotated and, and he could be a bit of an out there pick. Lingard seems a bit too obvious and he's 
outperforming a lot of his expected stats at the moment. But who, who's to say that that can't continue, um, to be honest? So, yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one. I will obviously make one transfer, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not too sure about who I'm going to be uh, transferring into my team at the moment. Well, I love the idea. I like the, I, I love that you'll go for the one week punt, you're wildcarding next week. I think Man United have a far better defensive record than Liverpool. Um, especially of recent, so so getting rid of Trossard isn't a bad move. And Jack, I can't believe you're even considering looking past Kai Havertz or Marcus Alonso. If you really want to go hard on your one week punt, Marcus Alonso. <laughs> they're 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 the two suggestions that I'm just going to leave out there in, in on the table for you to consider, to investigate, to to have a little taster of and see if you fancy it. But I'm saying I might even captain Kai Havertz. I I haven't decided yet. Bruno's tempting. Kane is sort of tempting, but it might just be might just be Kai Havertz. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Like I say, I'm I'm gonna make a fixture, and I'm glad that it's a Saturday deadline as opposed to a Friday deadline this week because it does give me a bit more time to think about my decision, um, and certainly give me a bit more prep time as to think about thinking about my game week 31 wild card as well. But just as a closing point, then. Who are you looking to captain this week? You did mention Bruno Fernandes earlier. Is is he someone that is going to take the armband for you? Yeah, it's on Bruno at the moment. Vice-captain Havertz. And it'll probably stay that way. But maybe I just get really rogue with it and I go Havertz and I just feel big. Uh, time will tell. And it'll be a bit of a sort of coin toss on the Saturday morning, I think. What, what about yourself? So the armband has always been on Harry Kane. Um, again, as I say, against the Newcastle side who just look down and out and, and they don't look like they are going to be going into this game full of confidence so you know I think Kane is, is an obvious choice I do have the vice captain's armband on Rafinha at the moment and and if I sort of knew a bit more about Bamford um, and his uh, I guess his physical condition and, and his fitness um, certainly after sustaining that injury before the international break uh, then maybe I would be inclined to captain him against Sheffield but I think that you know having Kane there he's on penalties and if Son's back as well it definitely improves Kane's potential um I mean having said that though it does also improve the fact that Son could completely explode as well um but I just think that Kane is you know Kane doesn't have this orange flag lingering over his head and and a worry about him actually starting so I think it's on Kane. It will probably stay on Kane and, and vice-captain on Rafinha, mate. Big moves. Love it. Love to hear it. Although, if you do fancy bringing in Havertz for the for the captain, <laughs> I, I can't stress it enough. I'm super into it, Jack. And I think you should be too. I think you should be too. And on that bombshell, I think it's a perfect place to end this week's episode of Bench Busted. Nick, thank you very much, as always, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure.